0: That because today the message that um, I want to share with you is about rest. They, uh, and um, I, I had another message I've been working on for weeks, and, and uh, um, I, I had things, and I just never really got comfortable. And then this week, um, Friday morning, actually, I read something, and it just dropped into my heart. And And in about 15 minutes, I sat down, and everything just kind of fell into place. And so I felt like this was something God... It's funny, when I put messages together, Cliff, it's like God tells me things that he wants me to hear, because he knows if it touches me, then when I give it to you, it comes from here. It doesn't come from here. It doesn't come from here. It comes from here. And so when that happens, then um, for me, I'm able to communicate better. Um, maybe you guys think I'm not very good at it anyway, but that's okay. Uh, so I want to talk to you about rest this morning. In the 1950s, uh, in Time Magazine, they talked to some, uh, some scientists and cutting-edge uh, people in technology. And they said with the technological advances that they were experiencing in the 50s and that they saw within the next 25 years, that one of the problems in society would be that because of all of the the things that we would have, that people would have, one of their problems would be they would have too much free time and wouldn't know how to deal with it. That the work week would probably be 25 hours a week and people would have so much free time they wouldn't know how to fill it. And so 60 years since that came out, anybody have too much free time on their hands, Um, because there's stuff that we need done around here. I can help you if you've got too much free time because anybody got free time on their hands. It just doesn't work out that way. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think technology causes us to eat up more time than it does to free up time sometimes. Um, People sit around on their phone. I... uh, I didn't have my first cell phone until I was 26 years old. They just didn't—I mean, they didn't have them, or they did, but they were like these big bricks or a bag that you had to carry around, and it was like hundred dollars a minute. You guys remember those things? And uh, I was 26. And I got my first cell phone. But now, when I go into uh, the job I do, I install audiovisual systems, and uh, we do some some government installations, and I'm not allowed to carry my phone in. And uh, I don't know what time it is when I don't have my phone. I may be wearing a watch, but I just, I, you know, I'm used to that phone all the time. I'm looking at it and doing stuff. And it eats up time. Well, we are so caught up. There are so many things that go on. We have between uh, school and sports and, uh, and television and, and, and life and, and, and all the things that we do with family. And a lot of them are important, but it, they eat up all of our time, and we have no rest. Uh, now, you may get some sleep. not If you're like me, not a lot of it. I don't have kids that keep me awake anymore, but I have dogs. I have two dogs that, that like to get us up at least once or twice in the middle of the night. And I have a grand dog that likes to come wake me up at 6 o'clock in the morning when her daddy decides it's, he has to get up and go to work. And so this, this pit bull that's, uh, she's six months old. I'm looking for my wife. She's about six months old. She's about this big, and she loves to jump and land on top of the bed and slobber all over you. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. It's If you've never experienced it, consider yourself lucky. But um. We get so caught up, we have all these things, and so you know, this is the thing, um, what we don't experience is rest. We don't have time, we, 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 we run out of things to do, and, and we get, we're all the time running and doing something, and yet we find ourselves, if you're like me, I stay so busy, and yet I find that I don't accomplish a whole lot of things because I stay so busy sometimes. And what God, this is a, this is a thing that's been around for a long time, and God deals with this, and so this morning I want to share with you a scripture. Scripture. Uh, well, first off, rest, thank you, Tommy. First off, rest, uh, let me give you the definition. Relief, or, now, there's a lot of definitions of rest. You can have sleep, you can have as a musical note. Uh, but rest, relief or freedom, especially from anything that wearies, troubles, or disturbs. And this is my favorite one. Mental or spiritual calm, tranquility. Now, if there were a doctor who could prescribe something that would give you mental or, or spiritual tranquility this morning, maybe there is, but you know, they could give you spiritual, mental or spiritual tranquility A lot of you guys would sign up for that because if you're like me, in society today, there are things that rob my mental and spiritual tranquility. Um, I've heard about all I want to hear about the elections now. I'm ready to elect. You're not going to change my mind at this point, and I'm probably not going to change your mind at this point. There are things like that that go on every day that you guys... Am I the only one that feels that way? Are you guys... Kyle, I see what you're talking about. Are you guys awake this morning? Okay, okay. It's okay for you to talk. We're not, you know... uh, we're not one of those churches. You guys can talk back to me. You can laugh. If it's the wrong time, I'm going to pretend like it was a joke, and it's not a big deal. So, you know, feel free to, to laugh and, 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 and respond here. Mental or spiritual calm or tranquility. And this was something that, that God God understands that, that we would need. And so he deals with it in Scripture. Let me give, let me give you a Scripture here. Uh, Matthew 1128 28 through 30 says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? This sounds like an infomercial. Are you tired, worn out, burned out? Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love the way the Message Bible says this stuff. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, this was God, you know, he understood that, that, that there would be a time, the cool thing about the word of God is that, Like God, it exists, it's it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There were people 2,000 years ago that Jesus spoke this to that knew exactly what he was saying and they needed to hear it. And there are people today that read this that they need to hear this. And, and, And if things continue and things go, my great, 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 great grandchildren will read this and hear it and need to hear it because of things that are going on in their life. That's the way the word of God works is that it gives us what we need. And he says, are you tired, worn out, burned down on religion? Come to me. What I want to talk to you about this morning is that, you know, we get so caught up in all these other things, but Jesus gives us three keys if you want to be able to rest. If you want to have rest in your life, not necessarily. I can't promise you a good night's sleep. I can't promise you uh, days off. I, I could tell you to take the day off, but you probably don't get paid for it. You may get fired, but, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not telling you those things, but I can, I can give you keys that you can find real rest and tranquility in your life when you begin to follow these things. God has called us three things that help us do that. Number one, Jesus said, it's right at the very beginning, Jesus says, come to me. Now, one of the things that we do is is we get caught up in doing so many things that we sometimes ignore what God has called us to do. Let Let me give you a definition this morning. Religion is what happens when man tries to find God on their own. Religion is what happens when we, when we see God, when we find God, and we try, we try to make the rules or make the path for us to, to achieve oneness with God, to come to, to have relationship with God in and of ourselves. We can't do it. And, and, and Jesus knew that. And Jesus said, are you tired of religion? Are you tired of these things that burn you out and wear you out? Because we wear ourselves out trying to do these things. We want Here's what we want. We want a list of do's and don'ts. We want to know that I could do this, I can't do this, I could do this, I shouldn't do this, but you know, it's gray area, so maybe... We want to know exactly what we can and can't do. Uh, I was a youth pastor early in my ministry before God delivered me from that. And uh, he, uh, that's one of those parts you can laugh at. Um, and, and so... Uh, I, I remember one of the questions that teenagers ask all the time is how far is too far? And you know exactly what I'm talking about they were asking about. They want to know, you know, what can I do? How far can I go? How far can I do this and not get in trouble? They want to know rules. They want to know exactly where the line is. What's, what, where am I going to get in trouble? Uh, when you're a kid, you want to know, you know, where my, you knew whether or not mom was going to make it to three or not when she counted. One, two, you, you knew what happened, you know, if she got to three. you knew You, you knew if dad, you know, Dad may not get to two, you know, but you knew, you, know, you knew mom, or maybe it was the case that mom's the one that didn't get to two and dad got to three and did, um, whatever it is, we want to know the line. We want to know the boundary. And that's the way we want our religion to work a lot of times. We want to know, okay, God, just tell me what I can and can't do. And God says, I want to have relationship with you. I don't want to give you a set of rules that you have to follow. I want to be in relationship with you. Um, And in in just a few weeks, October the 7th, my wife and I will have been married for 27 years, 27 years. I was looking back there to get the nod. I think she was, I think she was, she was doing the math too, 27 years. And so, um, now here's the thing, here's the key to staying married for 27 years. I am not faithful to my wife because I'm scared of the repercussions, although I am, um, I am faithful to my wife because I am in love with my wife. I don't have to stop and think I shouldn't do this because my wife will get angry. I, do this, I, I, I don't I do do these things because I know that I love my wife and I don't want to hurt my wife. Relationship completely changes the way that you see things. Relationship changes that. And, and God is not interested in rules and regulations. God is interested in relationship rather than tell you you can say this you can not say that you can see this movie don't watch this television show you could do this you could do that don't hang around this person for God's sake break up with this boyfriend you know th- these are the things God doesn't want to do that what God wants is to be in relationship with you so that you understand that these are the things that this is where God's heart is and so you're in relationship so that you want to do things that are pleasing to God because you're in relationship that's where when we come to God then that's where we begin to find rest. There's a verse that I want to share with you. Uh, John 5, 39 and 40. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly. He's talking, he's talking to the religious leaders and to some of his followers here. This is, the, this is the message Bible. I like it because it puts it in plain English. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me and here I am standing right before you and you aren't willing to receive from me the life that you say that you want. I have some friends that are that are academics, they're academicians, they're, they've they got several degrees and they've studied and I know a few that have gone like to Ivy League schools and they've studied theology and they've studied religion uh, and they've studied the Bible and just like this verse, they have delved so far into the Bible and, and broken to pieces apart and everything that they've lost sight that the Bible is there to lead them to God. God gave us the Word to lead us to Him. And yet, they begin to research and break this apart to the point that they begin to lose sight of who it is. And then, you know, we have these discussions. Well, the Bible doesn't really apply because of this and this. And if you go back and you look at the context of this, here's the deal. This is what Jesus said. Some of you guys, you're looking so hard. You're looking so hard to find me in in denominations. You're looking so hard to find me in a church you're looking so hard to find me in a, in, in a minister, in a, in a pastor. God doesn't call us to those. God did not call us. Jesus did not call us to a denomination, to a religion, to, to even a church. He calls us to himself. You see, what God, what God is looking for, and this is the first key to find rest in your life, is when we begin to shut out some of the noise that's there and some of the things that we get so caught up and stay so busy with, and we begin to come to God, and we begin to find in Him the relationship that He longs to have with us. Now, for some of you guys, you know, that, that's, well, that's, that just sounds really, that's too simple. It can't be that simple. It is. It's a free gift. God gave Himself so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. He said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not die, but they'll have life eternal." And so what God is looking for is to have a relationship with you. God wants you to be able to risk. Have, I, I have two awesome, awesome boys. They're in their mid-20s, and um, uh, we had them when, they were, uh, when, when I was 12. So that's why, you know. Um, they're in their mid-20s, and, and, and uh, um, they're awesome guys. And, and I hurt when I see them go through things. And when I see them make mistakes No matter how much I tell them, don't do that. You don't need to do, trust me, you don't want to do that. And I see them do it, it breaks my heart and it hurts me because I have a relationship with them and I love them. God loves you. God wants to be in relationship. And when he sees us do those things, God is not waiting with a thunderbolt to zap us. God is not some old dude on a cloud with white hair and lightning bolts in his hand waiting for us to screw up. God is a God of love who loves you so much that he gave his only son. And he wants to be there, and it breaks his heart. And he doesn't want, God is not there to take away your fun. God is there to take away your pain. And what he's looking for is for you to come to him. The first key in having true rest is coming to God and beginning to get rid of some of those noise and things from the outside. The second thing that he's calling us to in this scripture is he says, Come to me, and he says, Work with me, work with me, people. What God is looking for is, is, is an opportunity for, for us to, to understand that we don't have to do these things alone. Um, there was a young man he was a, uh, he was an athletic man probably played, he played like Division two uh, college football he was athletic you know um, and a whole bunch of guys you know in their early 20s they're out of the lake you know it's probably a holiday weekend they're, they're out there and he's wading out in the lake with these other guys and um, and he steps off of a little ledge underwater that he doesn't realize is there, and he drops like 10 feet automatically. And so he, he steps off, and he, he, he drops down under the water. And after a few seconds, he comes back up above the water, and he's flailing, and he's gasping, and he's doing things. And one of his friends that is up near the shoreline grabs the lifeguard, and he says, my friend Jimmy can't swim. You have to save him. Now, Jimmy is kicking and flailing for all his has Jimmy's an athletic dude. He's a pretty strong dude. And the lifeguard says, not yet. The friend looks and he says, you don't understand, Jimmy is drowning. If you don't save him, I will go do it. And the lifeguard grabs him by the shoulder and he says, not yet. After a few minutes of flailing and kicking and and doing all this stuff, finally Jimmy goes limp. The lifeguard immediately dives in, swims out, grabs him, pulls him ashore and rescues him and Jimmy's fine. The friend asked the lifeguard, he said, why in the world did you wait so long? And he said, because as long as Jimmy was fighting For everything that he had to save himself, there was nothing that you or I could do about it. You see, had the friend gone out and tried to do that, Jimmy's a strong guy, athletic guy, he's kicking and flailing, he's liable to hit the friend in the head and then the lifeguard's got two guys he needs to go save. There are some of us that find ourselves in situations and we are kicking and fighting and screaming so hard to free ourselves that we prevent God from being able to step in and do what God wants to do to take us out of the situation. You guys are quiet this morning. I either just nailed you or you're asleep by now. Uh, you're probably checking your fantasy score, right? You're checking to see who's, um, there are things in our life that we're kicking and screaming, trying to save ourselves and, and, and rescue ourselves from the situation. And God's like, you need to stop and let me take care of this. But you see, we don't like, we don't like not having control. There's, um. let me give you a, a, a scripture here that, that ties in with this. Um, I told you guys, I came up in a, I came up in, in, in a Christian school in the, in the late 70s, early 80s. And, um, and so when I was in grammar school, in this Christian school, we read King James Version. And so I know scripture in King James. And so what I have to do is, uh, is I, w- when, when I'm researching for, uh, for sermons and things, I have to look it up in King James. And then I find the other translation because I like the way the message puts it. But in the King James, this verse talks about take my yoke upon you. He you know, said, so my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know, Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that word yoke in Matthew 11:29 that we, and we read a while ago, but the word yoke is there in the King James and the contemporary English and some of the other versions. And the word yoke, anybody know what a yoke is? Not, not, the, not the yellow thing in an egg, but uh, a yoke, Y-O-K-E. Anybody know what a yoke is? It's not a Russian saying joke either. Yoke. Uh-uh. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, Yoke, a yoke, let me give you the definition of a yoke. A yoke is a bar or frame that is attached to the heads or necks of two work animals, usually oxen, so that they can pull a plow or a heavy load. You guys have probably seen one if you've seen an old, uh, an old black and white movie or something when they talk. It's usually like a bar, a wooden bar or something that goes across and it's got the two loops where it goes over the heads of the two oxen so that they can pull, uh, they, they can pull a plow or something like that to do work with. When Jesus is talking to this group of people that he's talking to, they know exactly what a yoke is. He's talking to guys that have worked farms, they've seen farms. They, they know what this is, and, and they understand that when he says, my yoke is easy, they, they understand and get the picture. But because we don't understand these things, I, w- I want to help share with you this morning what Jesus is talking about. This yoke that he's referring to, it's got two, notice it says to, to, to tie two or more together. What he's looking to do is to tie you together. To himself. God wants to yoke himself to you so that now here's the reason that they the reason they have a yoke for two oxen is because two working together can do infinite can, can do infinitely more than one by itself. It's not just double, it becomes exponential at that point because the two working together can work much more efficiently. And God understands that when He yoke when you yoke yourself together with God and the two of you are together, that you can do number one, more than you ever thought possible. But with him, you can do infinitely more possible than you ever thought imaginable. And so this yoke, he's referring to three things. There are three implications when Jesus refers to yoke with him. Number one is connection. He said, come to me. He wants to be yoked together. He wants to be together with you. He wants to to, to be in relationship, to be tied together with you so that not just so that you can help do the work of the kingdom, but so that he can help you accomplish the things that he's laid out for you. So that he can help you achieve the dreams that he's placed in your heart. So that he can help you do what it is that you need to do. The second thing is that direction. Because he understands that when these two, when these two oxen are yoked together then they can't go their own separate ways. One can't go to the left and one to the right because they're tied together. It's a bar or a piece of wood or something that connects them together. So they have to, work, they have to learn to work in unity because if they're fighting each other, it's constantly gonna be a struggle. They learn how to work together when they're yoked together. And God understands that when, when we yoke ourselves together with him, then we quit fighting him so much and we begin to understand and begin to follow the lead because we begin to find out what works together. Um, I read an illustration, uh, I was looking up about yokes and trying to find this, and I read this illustration that uh, a man goes to a farm, and this old farmer has two oxen yoked together. One is a huge, you know, big oxen, and, and the other one is a, is a much smaller, but obviously, you know, appears to be, you know, younger and stronger oxen. And so he asked the farmer, he said, why do you have two, a big one and a small one like this yoke together? Why would not you have two big ones? And he explained to him, he said, the large one, was one of the best oxen I've ever had. It understands my commands. It knows it has plowed this field for years, and it understands how to do it. But it's getting old. The younger one is much stronger. The younger one has a lot more energy. But if I just tie the younger one or put two younger ones together, they'll work themselves to death because they haven't understood and they don't know where they're going. And so by yoking the the younger one, stronger one, with the older and wiser one, he can get the work done because... The two work together. The wise and the strength come together to form a powerful bond. And what God knows is that he yokes us together sometimes with people that can help us accomplish and do the things that we that, that we are to do. If you do not have a mentor in your life, you need to get one. Now, a mentor is not just... It doesn't have to be somebody that you know, that you meet with weekly or whatever. A mentor could be somebody... As a young worship leader, there were mentors in my life that I've never met. Um, uh, I, I I've met, you know, or maybe I met once or something. And now they didn't know; they don't know me. But I read everything they've ever written. I, I, I watched them. I followed them. I watched what they did. I, I read their leadership ideas. I, I went and did it, and I learned from these guys because they were doing it and they were successful, and they were they were following. It, it, it was obvious they were following God because of the success that was coming, the fruit that was bearing to their ministry. As a young minister, there are men that have been in my life that have that have taught me. Uh, one I've, I've shared about, he passed away at the end of last year. The man was like a father to me. Dr. Lastinger was, uh, he, he took me as a 26-year-old when I first went to work for him and spent the next 10 years pouring into my life and cha- completely changing everything I ever thought. Now, there are other people that, that have been mentors in my life that, uh, you know, Pastor Rick is somebody that, I meant to, that, that, that mentors. I open myself up, I meet with him. There are people that you need to have someone who knows things that you don't know if the people in your life that you go to for advice if the people in your life that you ask when you need to make a decision always agree with everything that you have you probably need a different mentor let me say that again because I'm not sure you got it if you have the people in your life that you go to for advice or when you're making a decision and you go and you present them this is what I think I should do If they always tell you, I think that's exactly right, you probably need a different mentor. Because you are probably not as smart as you think you are. I know that because I am not nearly as smart as I like to think I am. And the older I get, the more I realize just how stupid I am. When I was young, I knew everything and my father was an idiot. The older I get, the wiser my father was and the dumber I was. I begin to see that correlation. You need people in your life that can look at your plan and say, that's good, but what about this? I have, I have done this, and I experienced this. We need people that can challenge us, and God knows that. And God, when he talks about yoking together, he says, come work with me because he wants to, he wants to work with us to help us accomplish things. He wants to put us with others that can help us, just like that oxen that we can work together we, we may be young and have the strength but we need somebody who's been there that knows the way that helps us to helps us to avoid some of the mistakes we may have been there we've learned you know cliff guys like man we, we've done this and, and we've learned a lot over the years but we need guys that's got the we need guys that's got the the, the, the strong you know the, the strong backs and the the muscles that can still do this kind of stuff not that you can't because cliff is still stronger than I am he's a he, he's a good he's a big guy so what God is looking for is to yoke us together with himself. He says, come to me. And he says, work with me. And the third thing that God says is, learn from me. In this verse where God is talking about rest, he says, if you want rest, he tells, are you tired of religion or are you tired of wearing yourself out? He says, come to me. And he talks about work with me. And then he says, learn from me. I love the way the message Bible puts it. It says, learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace. As a musician, when you talk about unforced rhythms, it's the thing that just kind of flows and you just kind of feel the rhythm and you find, we call it the pocket when I was in jazz band, when I was in, uh, taking jazz in college, it's called the pocket where the, you know, the thing, the groove just fits and you find it. Any musicians know exactly what I'm talking about and the rest of you think I'm an idiot, but that's okay, you probably do anyway. So, but you know, it, it's, it's just finding that unforced rhythm of grace and God says, you can find that place in your life that's the unforced rhythm of grace if you'll come and learn from me. Um... My wife and I, earlier this year, uh, my father-in-law passed away at the end of last year, and we inherited his house. And um, we had been taken care of, and we moved here from, from Florida and came up to, to help take care of uh, her parents. And then so after her father died, um, we, we had been taken care of him, and we inherited his house. My wife had, had taken off work the last couple years of his life to take care of him and to, uh, to, to help spend time with him. And to do things and so after he passed away this year we, we talked about it and she decided she was gonna go back to work and um, and she began to look for a job um, she's worked you know for years she's, she's really intelligent she's I'm not just saying this because she's sitting back there she's really smart she's really intelligent um, and she's very good at what she does and so she began to look for she began to look for jobs every day she'd go online some of you guys can relate to this every day she would go online she would find jobs she would submit applications she was calling she was following up on leads Months just doing this, and, and and it would come home, and you could see you could see it start to wear on her because just either either just ignoring it, rejection. Thank you for you know we regret to inform you, blah blah blah. And it just you know it seemed like every time she did, the door would slam in her face. There was a couple of things that just seemed like slam dunks. They were obvious. It was a great fit. Everything seemed to fit just right. The door just slammed in her face. It didn't work. So after after a few months of this, we talked about it. And, and, and Mia said, it's obvious that God doesn't want me to work. And so I said, well, you know, let's, let's just pray about it. Cause you know, I'm a typical husband. I'm like, are you sure? I don't think that's what God's saying. I think, I think God wants, I think God wants me not to work. I think that's, but no, so because she's much smarter than I am, you know, I said, okay, well, let's, let's, let's pray about this. And so we took a week and we prayed about it. And we fasted and we did these things and, and we decided, you know what, we're not going to, we're not going to chase it anymore. We're not going to do this. And so um, that Sunday, some of you guys may remember, it was, um, uh, I, I, it was in first service, so if you guys come. But several weeks ago, I came down at the end, and, and me and I came down uh, and prayed together with, with, with Brother Philip. Um, some of you guys probably thought we were having marriage problems or something, so we weren't. Well, maybe not. But, uh, and so we talked to Brother Philip, and, and uh, uh, we prayed with him, and, and we told him what was going on. And that week, a lead came. And it's funny because Mia texted me and she said, I just got this lead, should I follow up on it? Because we said we weren't going to chase this. And I'm like, you know what? (laughs) God says, you know, when you ask, you receive, so follow up on it. So we followed up on it and that week, everything fell into place. She got the job, she started a week later. It wasn't what we were looking for. It wasn't what what she started out looking for, but it was something that God did because we began to quit fighting when we decided to work with God and God began to open those doors. And there are things in your life right now that you're probably dealing with And you're beating your head against the wall trying to do it. And God is saying, I want you to work with me and quit trying to do this yourself. Um, Luke 9, 23. This is Jesus talking to to, um, the disciples and the people that came. Because there were people who come to Jesus. You know, when when you have a lot of success, a lot of people want to join you. You know, Um, when, when you've won four national championships, Nick Saban doesn't have to doesn't have to interview people. Nick Saban calls who he wants and says, you want to come work for me? And most people are like, yeah. Because, you know, he's had a lot of success. Okay, I'm an Auburn fan, but I mean, I, I can give the guy props. The guy's had success and knows what he's doing. The same thing happened with Jesus. People began to see what Jesus was doing. People saw what was going on. There were people coming and wanting to follow. Hey, I want to be a part. I want to follow you. I want to come with you, Jesus. I want to be one of your disciples. So Jesus says this. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from the suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. You see, Jesus wants us to learn from him because Jesus' way, God's way, is almost completely opposite of what we think. Jesus said, you know, those who seek to save their life are going to lose it, but those who give it away will find it. Those who, the, words, the, the one who, uh, who puts himself first will be made last, but those who make themselves last to serve others will be put first. Everything that God does, he doesn't do things the way the world does it. There's a reason that the God of this world and God are not the same person. Everybody follow what I'm getting here? And so... What God wants us to do is to learn from him that the way that we think is the way it's just like asking people you know if you get uh, we have seven we have seven engaged couples in our church right now um, that is amazing it is awesome and there's probably some more to come so uh, I'm sure there's some of you I, I, I've, I've seen the looks you know we had we have some awesome couples who have agreed uh, uh, with, with myself Rick came to me and asked me to help put it together and so uh, we've got some couples that we're going to mentor these guys because we want, and, and most of all, of us have been. I think all but one have been married for over 25 years, um, and so you know what we want to do is help these guys. Rick said we don't want to be there after the honeymoon. We want to be there before it ever begins to help you build the foundation. We want to help these guys um, build a foundation so that they can they can achieve success and learn from the things we do, because if you get your marital advice, if you get if you get things from the media today, then it's going to be completely opposite of what God lays out. If you get it, if, if you learn from, you know, from what's around us, we follow, I would hate to be a teenager learning to date and learning about relationships in this culture that we live in. Because the pressure, when I was a teenager in the 80s, um, the pressure was enough. But the pressure today, the media has made it such that I, I can't even imagine and so what God is trying to do is to help us learn from him that you do not have to live like this Romans 12 says that don't become so don't become so like your culture that you fit in without even thinking about it and so that's what God he says learn from me because I want to show you I want to help you um, 1 Peter 5:7 God cares for you so turn all your worries over to him Luke 923 this is what we talked about where he says, self-help is not the way at all. There, and all these scriptures are on, on, the, uh, on the Sunday's page, and there's some more scriptures. I'm not going through them all. God is looking. He says, I want you to come to me. I want you to work with me. I want you to learn from me. And the last thing, as we get ready to close, God says, I want you to come rest in me. You see, we're looking for rest in, in all kinds of different places. There was a country song when I, was a, when I was a teenager, looking for love in all the wrong places. You guys ever, all you old guys, you know what I'm talking about? You know, what I'm saying? We're looking for rest in all the wrong places sometimes. We're looking for things, we're, we're trying to find rest and we're trying to find it in our own way. We're looking for things that'll help us you know, to, to ease ourselves, but we're doing it the wrong way. God says, I want you to come to me. Get rid of all that other distraction. Look at me, keep your eyes on me. He says, come and, and work with me. Let me help you. You work with me. I work with you. We, together, we will change the world. He says, come and, and learn from me. And finally, he says, when you do that, come and rest in me. You see, true rest only comes when we, when we find ourselves in God. I've been, uh, I, I've been in church my entire life. My, uh, my grandfather was a pastor. My mom uh, has sang in the church choir. My dad was a deacon. My other grandfather was a deacon. I've been in church my entire life. I, I make the joke I was born in Saturday and in church on Sunday, and it maybe wasn't quite that bad. But, I mean, I can I, I can remember a handful of Sundays in my entire life that I wasn't in church somewhere. Um, I, I got saved when I was is in 1976, October 31st, 1976. It was Halloween. I was, going, I was at a Christian school. We were coloring pumpkins, I think. It was the first grade. Coloring pumpkins or something. Somebody drew horns on their pumpkin. And the teacher was like, you shouldn't do that. And she begins to go into... You know about the devil and everything, and she scared hell out of me that day. And so um, I didn't cuss; it was funny. You can laugh. It was. I I, I got saved that day because I decided I wanted that. Whatever I wanted that. Now I got older and I learned a lot more about God, and my relationship has changed and developed over the years. I was in my early twenties when I first really developed a deep relationship with God, and it changed my existence. And I tell you that because my entire life, the entire. 40 plus years that I have been a Christian I have discovered one thing when my life is in complete turmoil and chaos I have lost my connection to God it's kind of like when you're on the internet doing something and all of a sudden or, or you're streaming a movie on Netflix and all of a sudden you get the stupid little spinny thing in the middle and it stops you know you've lost connection my life is like that stupid little spinny thing Sometimes when I get in that I've lost connection And I sit there trying to buffer, and I'm trying to because I've lost connection. I'm telling you that because when you find rest, is when you find connection. I don't have to struggle with every decision that I make because I know that if I bathe it in prayer, and if I live my life for God, and I question and I ask the people that, that God has put in my life over me, then I make the decisions that God lays on my heart, and I trust in them. The worst decision that I ever, one of, the, one of the two worst financial decisions I've ever made in my life, uh, 2005, my wife and I, we had a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old teenager, and being smarter than I am, Mia said, we need to get rid of our SL2 sports car that's got, you know, you know that's got a small back seat, because uh, we have teenage boys that have legs almost as long as yours are, and so we need a minivan. Now, I'm a musician, dude. Minivans are not cool, Okay. So I, didn't, I didn't feel the minivan thing. I just wasn't feeling that. But, you know, um, I've learned that I could be right or I could be happy. So I decided that minivan is probably the way to go. So we go and we look at a minivan, and, and we, had, we had talked about it and prayed about it, and we had in our mind what we could afford, what we could do, what we could spend. We go in and we sit down with a car dealership. Um, if there are any car dealers in here, I apologize. I don't mean, I'm sure you're not like this. But this car person we talked to, of course... We went in and and told him what we were looking to spend, what we could do. And, of course, you know, he automatically starts jacking up the price and doing this. Well, you know, you say this, but I can do this, and we can do this, and blah, blah, blah. And we go in. And so we get to the end, and it was completely nowhere near the deal that we had talked about and prayed about and knew we'd feel comfortable with. And so we sat there, and I sat there really, really wanting my wife to be happy. And my wife sat there really, really wanting her husband to be the man of God and look at her and say, this is not what we prayed about. And neither one of us got what we wanted that day. Because I wanted my wife to be happy, and rather than stand up and say, honey, I'm sorry, this is not not what we prayed about, I'm not comfortable with this. And walking out, I said, okay, I think we can do that. And for the next five years, that thing was an albatross around our neck. Because... I didn't follow. I knew. I sat there and I felt it and hear God going, you dummy, quit. And I did it anyway. You see, we find rest when we begin to follow God and we make it a part of every decision that we make and everything that we do. I got a verse, and and the worship team's going to sing. If you would, if you'll stand with me and come to the front. We like to close around the front. I got a verse that we're going to read. We'll we'll do it up here. this is nothing weird. I'm not trying to get you up here so we can lock the doors and, and make you pay to get out or anything. It's not that kind of church. It's not. Um, we just want to come up here and, and pray together because there are some guys up here that I trust, I trust my life with. These guys, I know that if I have, if I have a need, I know these guys can reach God. And, um, and they've prayed for this service and they prayed for you and they, they want to pray with you this morning. There it is. There's a verse that I want to read for you, and it's, this, is several, this is several things. Um, it's, it's several slides. It's a long one, and it's on the Sunday's page, so if you don't get it. This is Jesus talking, uh, and he says, If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, this is the Message Bible again, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach and more than your outer appearance, the clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to Him than birds. Has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think that it makes that much difference? In- <clears throat> Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out in the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primped, they never shop. But have you ever seen the color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you and take pride in you and do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, not to be so preoccupied with getting so you could respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out, and you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. God wants you to find rest in Him. God wants you to, He wants you to to not have to worry about these things and stress over all these things. If you give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what many. What may or may not happen tomorrow, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come when the times come. Some of you this morning are like me this week, and I needed to hear that I could find rest. I needed to know that while I may not get sleep or I may not get a day off, I could find rest. That, that turmoil, that, that thing inside that keeps me up When I finally do get to sleep and I lay there thinking because stuff stresses and my mind starts going and I start thinking about the things that I should do and how am I going to do this and how am I going to do that? God can say, don't worry about it. Now, understand, I'm not telling you, quit paying your bills, God will take care of it. I'm not saying that. I did not, I have a witness, I didn't say that. What I'm telling you is that when we quit stressing about everything, there's a, there's a quote that I've used a lot and it's one of my favorite quotes it it really it it really this is I use in my life a lot in order to have what you really really love you probably have to give up some things that you really really like if you want a big nice house you may not be able to eat out every night of the week if you want all the things that go with, with you know, then you can't afford to walk away from that job that's sucking you dry because you've got to have money to pay for these things. I'm not telling you to sell your house. I'm telling you that you may have to give up things that you like in order to have what you really love. I told you this a few weeks ago when, when I had a message about spiritual warfare. You know, there are, um, there are some of you may have to give up some relationships in your life because they're keeping you from that thing that you... You claim, just like that verse, you know, the life that you claim you want, you won't listen to me when I tell you, you know, it's God, there may be things in your life that you have to give up in order to have what you really love. This morning, there are people here, and they want to pray with you. They're not going to tell you, this, you need to give this up. They're, they're going to simply pray with you this morning. Because they know and we know, I can tell you all day long what you should do or what you shouldn't do. But it takes God speaking to your heart for it to happen. And so this morning, I encourage you, Jamie. You guys go ahead. They're fixing to sing a song that says, "Come to me, I'm all you need." And so as they begin to sing this, I encourage you before you before you start singing, we're going to close with worship. But before you before you start singing, if you need if you need rest this morning, if you need somebody to pray with you, these guys down here want to pray with you. They want to help you find that rest. If you need somebody, I'll be glad if. if